Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Figure Podcast. Each week we figure out people, numbers and images of the past, present and future. And this week we are joined by a very special guest, Gina. We first met Gina at The Guilty Feminist, um, where you were a guest. Um, We love Oh my god, I love it so much. It's so such a good podcast. And we went up to introduce ourselves because we were so um we just wanted to support you. Kind you of so lend support for the for the <laughs> and campaign. Then I did that other panel at Wellness and you were there as well. And I was like, my girl. <laughs> Yay! Stalkers. <laughs> um, so what we'll do is we start off every episode with what has this week meant to you? And Gina, would you like to go first? What is I'd this? love to go Okay, first. great. Okay, so, so what have you been doing this week? This week I've been, I've kind of been preparing myself because obviously September's like around the corner, which is mental anyway. Um, but I'm, the campaign kicks off again, as in um, all the politicians I work with and Parliament comes back off recess beginning of September. So this week has sort of been my second to last week of freedom because I'm going to have to start prepping quite a lot next week. It's okay. been really lovely. It's been like my birthday, my boyfriend's birthday, and it's just been like about. Oh, you both Leos? Yeah. Oh. Oh wait, no, he's a Virgo. Oh my god. Oh, okay. <laughs> but only been with him six years, but don't know that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like that's it's all been about friends and family and like getting that in and like focusing on those important things before I go back into doing the campaign, which has been really nice. Very good. I just mm. saw Britney Spears. Oh my god. Yeah, that was what it was about. Obviously, I saw Britney Spears. <laughs> that was insane. What was your favourite song that she did? Um, I think it was Me Against the Music. Oh, I love that Yeah, song. but I did think she was going to do the dance breakdown and she didn't. And I was quite disappointed. Aww. But, you know, I'll get over it because it's Brit Brit, so it's fine. <laughs> I love her. Shaw, mm. what has this week meant to you? We've still been, so update, we've still been together this entire week. We were together the entire week before. It's like holiday number still, three together. Still been, still like been Adam together. Day, like the female <clears throat> Adam Deck. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, you are. You're going to own that. You have that. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I think End of the Fringe was really, really good. We saw your sister's show, Yay! which was amazing. Stevie Martin. Just, I could not believe the stamina that they have to do, like, just every three day for weeks three weeks. is just it's, unbelievable. Oh and I don't know how they keep their voices as well. So many people must lose their voices. Yeah, from... they do. It's so exhausting as well. Like, my sister's boyfriend's doing three shows. He won the Edinburgh Award, like, a few years ago. And um, he's doing three shows. So, like... Uh, like he's doing two a day so he's doing like 60 shows like it in, in a wow. month it's mad the stamina they have and also just so difficult to stand out because there are so many thousands exactly. like thousands right yeah, yeah no there are apparently there are 3,000 or something whoa mad, which it? is ridiculous yeah. <laughs> but I really enjoyed that and then we had um, my brother's birthday yesterday which was lovely and we played a lot of Harry Potter trivia oh, which love. was amazing it was the best birthday breakfast ever yeah. What about you, G? What's well, this week meant to you? Well, I've been obsessed, as you know, with um, This Is Going to Hurt, the book by Adam <gasps> Did Kay. Did you see the show in Edinburgh? Oh, so good. No, no we didn't show it. Oh, my God. I think it's coming to London. Oh, yes. Yes. I hope it is, because I've been laughing out loud. Like, to the point where I have to stop, <laughs> tell Charlotte what I've been laughing at, and then go back to reading it. A five and a half hour train journey was basically you reading the whole time and And then just giggling to yourself. And I'm just like, what are you laughing at? And then she'd read out the part and then we'd move on. Five hours. Yeah. Yeah, I think my favourite bit was the 3D scan, actually. Oh, God, yeah. So, yeah, um, he's got, he's had a dinner party and I guess close friends of his partner. So it's not even his friends, it's his partner's friends. Mm. And um, they kind of, because he's a doctor, he always gets loads of questions from all sorts of his, you know, they give him the scan, they're like, 
oh yeah no it looks it looks lovely and in his head he's thinking it literally looks the same as they all fucking do <laughs> but i'll guess i'll be who has enough me, money yeah. for a 3d scan yeah as well. and a 3d scan is a whole thing and oh then he's like yep no she looks lovely and then the whole room goes silent and they didn't know the gender they didn't want to find oh the my god <laughs> yep it was, no. oh, it was so funny that's, that's so good though The first figure for today's episode is actually going to be Gina Martin herself. <laughs> um, mostly because we really wanted to find out more about you other than all the upskirting um, campaign, which yeah. is obviously amazing, but we wanted to find out more about you, Gina. But we're going to start by talking about upskirting. Yes, let's do that. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, please, in a nutshell, explain what happened over the last year, starting from the festival. Okay, so last year in July 2017, I was at British Summertime. I can't, still can't say the name. <laughs> British Summertime Festival. And I was waiting for the killers to come on stage with my sister. And these guys were hitting on me. And I said no like 60 times. And one of them, there was two of them. Mm-hmm. And one of them at some point put his hand between my... I was wearing a skirt and he put his hand between my legs about four or five inches from my crotch and took pictures of my crotch shot area. Um, and I didn't know he'd done that, obviously. I was just kind of standing there waiting for the band to come on stage, but it was broad daylight um, and they were being a bit weird. And then I saw on his other friend's phone, they kind of started laughing actually. Like there was, there was two guys, but they were in a group of about 10 people. And they started sort of laughing and I could kind of tell, you know, you just kind of know, you're when, like, oh, that's about me. Yeah. I don't know why. And then I saw one of them, was on WhatsApp and he had like his WhatsApp open and he'd been sent a picture and it was my vagina. So I, and I knew immediately. So I grabbed the phone off him and started yelling about it because I was trying to alert attention, I guess, to get people to help me. And then some people in the crowd, like two guys helped. I was kind of just screaming in people's faces being like, just get, help me, help me, help me. And then these two guys were like pushed him back and they were just like run. And I ran to the security with the phone and he ran after me because I had his phone, which was the most... That must have been terrifying. Yeah, it was so... It's like a nightmare. It, it is. is. No, like literally, that's exactly what it was like. And I think about it all the time because it was like, I thought I'd lost him. But then like, I heard him go like, give me my phone back. And he was like, on my shoulder. And I couldn't turn around to look at him because it would have slowed me down. So I was like running and knocking people oh out of the way. It was horrible. God. And then I got security. And then he he basically like, the security like made a circle around me because they saw me with a man, massive man running after me. He was like six foot four. Oh. So they made a circle around me and he like jumped over and was like swiping at me. I gave them the phone, they called the police. And then I expected the police to basically turn around and go, yeah, this is this is terrible. Like, we'll sort this out for you. Like, do you want to make a statement? Do you want to press charges? But what happened is they were very sympathetic, but they basically were like, oh, there's nothing we can do about it. And I was so upset that I was kind of like a child. And I was sort of like, oh, okay, I guess you're right. Like, just kind of walked off. They just kind of ushered us back to enjoy the rest of the night. And then I looked into the law and found out that upskirting is not a sexual offence in England and Wales. And that there's a massive grey area in the law um, that means it can't be prosecuted in so many cases. And then I kind of got incredibly angry, really. And I put it on Facebook and social and it went viral. And then the police and Facebook told me that I had needed to take it down because it was harassment, which was hilarious. Because to them, so sorry, ridiculous. yeah, because I put a picture of me. I got a picture of them behind me before it happened because I took a selfie. So I put the picture of them guys up and circled their heads. And then, yeah, that was harassment. So that's when I got really angry. And then I started a campaign basically to make it a sexual offence in the UK. And it's been a year. And now we have a government bill um, that is going through to statute books currently. So it's been like a year of like a lot of, lot of hard work. But it's paid off, which is great. And when, and 
How did you find Ryan, your lawyer? Oh my God, I don't know, heaven? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ryan just fell from heaven. He literally did. He, when I was doing the campaign at the beginning, it was like lots of media about like, why isn't this a sexual offence in the UK? And, uh, did you, when you started it, did you literally, you post, so you made a Facebook post with that selfie of the, of the two guys and you, did you then do the sort of petition? Did you create that petition yourself? Not at the same time. I did, but it was like, I put that up, that went viral. And then because they took my picture down, I got then got angry and then I started the petition and I used the attention from that viral post to like push people towards the petition. And then once I had the petition, I started doing media. I sort of packaged up all the social media interests and sold it to like producers on TV to like get them to put me on TV or or it wasn't even, didn't even care if it was me really, but talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously because I'm the victim of it, the straight away like victim story. So I started doing TV and then at the height of that attention, I put a call out on all my socials for a lawyer. And I got, I went to like a lot of different like, um, charities like rights info and stuff and I asked for a lawyer and I got a lot of lawyers come back and all of them were like oh I've known about this for years like I want to change this blah blah and Ryan was just like hey whatever I can do to help whether that's introduce you to other people or that's just give you some advice like this is your thing and you've been brave enough to do this so like I would just like to help you so immediately I was like oh that's him Mm -hmm. so I went to meet him and we chatted for like four hours and then we became campaign partners and we set out a strategy and I did the media side and he did the law side and then we basically just played the long game and then went to parliament but it was amazing to have found him because he's been I mean he's he's 50% or more of the reason the law is changing like he's a genius and when did you when did it sort of hit you that people were starting to notice it or that you were sort of getting more followers or more attention or has any did anyone kind of recognize you in your normal life that's a weird one because I think at the beginning it was really I, that's all I wanted was people to know about it because that was what was going to get pressure on the government. Mm. So I was trying to get that and it was working really well in the right circles. So like in law, um, in politics, all that kind of stuff. But it wasn't like a you know big commercially kind of populist thing. And then when Chope objected to, we had a private members bill with a Lib Dem MP and Chope objected to that bill and killed that bill. Um, the media went massive. And I'd been recognised before on the tube a couple of times before the choke thing. But once that happened, it became like, I just couldn't use my phone for like two days because it was just too, I went on Twitter and I had like 4,000 messages. Like it was oh just, I couldn't gosh. like move. Like I yeah. just felt like I couldn't move. Um, and it became a whole different thing where it was, then it was like, I went from being like, this woman's trying to do this to being like, this this is the face of the upscaling campaign because everyone knew what the campaign was. Yeah. So that changed my life quite a lot. And I've got to the point now where I'm, I'm like, okay with it now and I, I can go into you know whatever media rooms or like BBC and everyone knows who I am and that's fine and it's like now nice because it's like a community and I know those people and they help mm-hmm. but there was a period of time where I went from being like just you know eating chips in my pants to being like <laughs> and then being like now I have to shave my legs because what if someone sees me on the tube and they're like oh that's that girl she's got hairy legs like oh god like thinking about things and it's really yeah, hard to check do, yourself do, do you then does that play into it when you're getting ready in the morning or when you're yeah, out do you think fully. oh god someone could recognise me 100% and especially because on my socials and stuff, like Instagram's always been really fun for me, but then I've started getting followers. Mm. So I've got a lot of followers, like it's a small audience, but it's enough that... It matters. Yeah, and I'll go to now, like every social engagement I go to, if you go to a party with like your best friends and there's people there that you don't know who are also their friends, like everyone already knows who I am now. So Ooh, that's weird. Which is weird. So like every conversation is about the upscaling thing, which I love because actually... you most people are just really excited to talk about it and they really support it and that's just joyful anyway. But it is 
it's funny because people who didn't ever made an effort before all were horrible to me are now like I think it's amazing what you've done. You like you were an arsehole for like two years. Yeah. Like it's 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 shifted my social kind of interactions a bit. But I think when you check find yourself doing that, you find yourself like getting ready in the morning. You're like, oh, I don't want to like look like shit today because I'm meant to be this like powerhouse of a person that everyone mm. paints me as. I've actually started pushing back on that massively to the point where I'm like, do you know what? Like if I feel like crap, like I said to you girls, I've got hairy ankles, I've got beard ankles today. <laughs> um, I was like, I don't care. Like that's just who I am. I can't. I'm not gonna if I feel crap one day, I'm going to look like crap. Like, I'm not going to try and live up to that because otherwise I'll start perpetuating that in my head and that's just exactly. not good. It's only going to get worse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, I have a question about the Instagram. So I love your Instagram. I like um, a lot of the posts that you do are quite honest. Yeah. I love the paint. Why do you, oh, because, why do you do it? Because I've been a, I did, I studied fine art for eight years. Oh, so I'm a painter. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I've always been a painter and I wanted to be an artist, but I was like, I'm not going to make any money. So I went to advertising as an art director. Yeah. So my entire, like, my entire life has just been about painting and drawing. Like, since I was, like, seven or six, like, that's all I did. So when I got, when I was, like, on Instagram and enjoying Instagram and socials and stuff, and I was writing and I was like, well, I need to support it with social, I was just, like, really sad that there was no creativity behind it. And then, so then I started photographing paint stripes and making this thing happen. And now I love it because it's, like, it's basically like a jigsaw because I have to line everything up. And I don't, I know it sounds weird, but I literally, my life is mental. So when I get, when I sit on the tube and I'm, like, lining up my paint strokes, I'm like, oh, that's nice, isn't it? <laughs> oh, let's, oh, that looks lovely. It's just, like, really calming for me. Like, I love it. That's, that, I, I love that you do that. It's, it's really fun. Way of including the painting and the social media aspect of it. Yeah. It's having that creativity, even though it's quite, like, a, mm. a technological dry medium. It still feels quite creative, which well, is yeah, nice. Yeah, absolutely. segue into earlier life. Gina, oh so yes. Gina. yes. So when you were at school, was that sort of what you remembered as your sort of favourite subjects? Those were the th- that was the sort of thing that interested you the most was art. Yes, and I was never academic at all. So my sister is like A stars, mm. incredible, like super brain, like incredible, and I never was ever. I was always artistic, and I never. I guess I was sort of happy not being the best at things. I was happy kind of coasting, mm. not meaning I didn't work, but I was happy being like average at stuff I didn't really Mm. mind as long as I enjoyed it really and I did art and drama and stuff I did I acted for a while and that was really fun but anything that I could kind of like explore in and be a bit loud and like get my creativity out and express myself a bit I loved and my dad's a drummer my mum was a mural painter and she's an interior designer so I come from a really great family and it was like my safe space I guess painting I don't do it enough anymore really because I don't really have the time but when I'm sad my boyfriend will like pick up paints and just put them on me and get oh. me paper and he sets me up with like a little water and he sits me down when I'm stressed and he's just like just paint for a while it's I so still do therapeutic it it's yeah. so therapeutic it really I really want to go to life drawing there's a pub <gasps> around the corner yes. that does it on a Tuesday I've been about twice and they just haven't done it on that Oh no. no! Both of those evenings. One of it was because of the football, which obviously was great, but I was also a bit annoyed that they didn't have life <laughs> sure, drawing sure, yeah. because yeah. of the football. <laughs> yeah, life drawing is amazing. Life drawing yeah. is really fun. Whereabouts did you grow up in the UK? Is it- I'm my whole family is Scousers, so I'm from Liverpool. Okay. I was born in Liverpool, but we lived in um, Cheshire, okay. like mm-hmm. sort of farmy town. Um, and it was really lovely, but I was always a big city person. Like, my mum and dad used to live in New York, and we used to go to New York, and we used to go to, like, beautiful cities in Paris where my dad worked and was doing playing and stuff, and I just really wanted to be in a city, so I, I basically was in that sort of small town for a long time, and I think I was, like, yearning to get out of it by mm-hmm. the age of, sort of, 17, 18. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be where things happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, and looking back, I'm really lucky because, obviously, there was so much space, and we used to go for walks, and, like, I had a great upbringing because it was natural and beautiful and green, but... Mm-hmm. 
it made me appreciate it more now when I leave London I can go home and it's just like the most calming place like it's really lovely to go home now yeah I agree because I live in Scotland so that's and that is literally the middle of nowhere Mm. and it's so so much of a contrast to London where there's just there is a lot of green space in London but it's not the same no and you also don't realize how fresh air is outside of London oh my god it smells and tastes different yeah like it's when you get out you're like oh my god I can breathe so much better I don't know why yeah yeah exactly it tastes delicious doesn't it so at 17 18 did you then decide to go like what was sort of at sixth form did you decide to go to uni not uni like I did the very traditional thing where I basically because my dad didn't go to uni or do any of that because he was a drummer like he was just a drummer and he was working Mm. um my mum went to university at 40 she went back when she had two kids and my dad was on tour like we used to go to school with her and stuff she got one of the best marks in Manchester for interior design like she was incredible that's amazing friggin' Don, like, she's a hero. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to uni to like, get that done. And they were like, go for it. If you can do it, you should do it. Mm-hmm. So I went to, I did YIF Art Foundation, mm-hmm. where it was, like, everything, glass, jewelry making, blah, 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 painting, whatever. Did that, and then I went to, and in college I did, like, drama, art, product design, all the creative shit. Mm-hmm. And then I went to uni and did creative advertising in Leeds for three years, okay. knowing, because I just knew I wanted to be in advertising from when I was younger. I used to watch adverts at, like, 11. Even though now it's, like, I'm trying to save the world, but like I'm in advertising, doesn't really make sense at all, and it's like not great <laughs> for my morals. But um, well, it depends on what you're selling, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah that's true. Alcohol to babies. <laughs> 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 Alcohol to adults. That's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I knew I wanted to do it, so I used to watch adverts and be like, I would have been better if they'd done that a bit differently. And my dad was like, well, What are you doing? You should definitely be in advertising. So I did. The, I studied that, and I've been a copywriter, creative uh, for, for sort of five years now, which is really fun. But it's. My obviously my purpose has changed a bit over the last year, yeah. so it's like I really really like it, and like I love having I like being able to go in whenever my life is crazy and chokes happening, yeah. go to work and do what I'm good at for nine hours. Like I really enjoy that, yeah. so it's nice having the two of them. That's do you think you'll yeah. keep campaigning after this? Is yeah, I'll definitely still be active for sure. I don't know whether it'll be in politics. I can't. I don't think any of us are privileged enough to be able to, unless you're a politician, to be like. I'm going to change these laws and the next time I'm going to change this because it's so hard. Like now I know how hard it is. It's unbelievably hard. Obviously there's things that change, but I think it'll be more social change stuff. Mm-hmm. There's definitely stuff I want to do with like um, social platforms with Instagram, the community guidelines and change things there. Mm-hmm. There's, there's stuff I'm going to work on, but probably not politics. Okay. Because that's, that's a mad world. Yeah. Mm. I guess as well, back when, like, when you were working, just finished uni, I can't even imagine you even predicting oh, anything no. like this ever no way. happening. You know, and, I, and also, I think that it takes a, a certain individual because all, lots of things like upskirting or awful things, you know, we've all experienced or friends have experienced other things, especially like with sexual assault and yeah. all this. And it, it really does take a certain individual to actually be like, no, this, yeah. is, this is not okay. And actually, I really want to do, stop this for everyone. And that's why I also loved... Um, revolt sexualist yeah she's Hannah Price yeah she's brilliant yeah because actually again that's another area where it's you know it's not all sexual assault it's like sexual assault at university and this is you know personal to her and therefore that's what she's backing and for you it's upskirting yeah I just Mm. I love that you know there's so many amazing women that are just like Uh, yeah I agree and I think that's the way to do it as well like I think you have to pick up a piece of the puzzle and put it down yeah. and do yeah. it properly. But not do the all 400 yeah. pieces. Because, because also it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't, it's too big of, a, of an issue for us to all solve in one go. But also, like, you know, we're looking at politics here and what I'm doing, like legislation, like you have to solve each problem at a time. 
Mm. You can't have a bill that solves everything. Then you can't have a law that solves everything. So that's just not how the world works. So you have to pick up a piece and do it properly and do it cleverly. And like, mm. I really have a lot of respect for people who are doing that because I know how hard it is now. Yeah. So when I look at Hannah and stuff, I'm like, she's really doing it well. Yeah. I think that the other thing is just people like me and you just changing things because yeah. you always expect that somebody else is going to do it. Yes. And there comes yeah. a point where you just can't do that. No. And with upskirting in particular, I don't think I ever saw or realised that it was affecting everyday people and not just celebrities. Yeah. And with celebrities, I'd also just normalised it. I yeah. just, yeah. with, with um, Emma Watson in particular, how, mm. as you said earlier, came out of a restaurant at 18, you know, a couple of minutes yeah. past midnight and then the law had changed and then there, all the paparazzi were able to take photos up her skirt. So messed up. And I remember thinking, that's really awful. I can't believe they can do that to her. But I would never have thought, we should change that law. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. They're a celebrity. They're almost a little bit untouchable and, oh, maybe, you know, they've got people following them all the time because they're really famous. I'm not very famous. I'm never going to have that. It's not really going to happen to me. Yeah. So therefore, it probably doesn't apply to me. There's also there's a and lack of power as well. You just yeah. you don't realise the the actual the power that you have as a individual. And I think that a lot of that is I want to do a lot of work on this is the fact that we feel so removed from our institutions and our politics. Yes. Mm-hmm. We feel like there's there's politicians that's them in that big massive beautiful building yes. and then we're here and we just go on with our lives and whatever they do affects us and we can't touch anything yeah. and that's just not true there is a real lack of power that is instilled in you that you don't have the power to change things when you actually you yeah. do but it's just being curious and, and questioning things when you hear them like you say mm-hmm. like that Watson thing that's messed up okay well could you could we change that like what mm. does that mean is that not looking at the law like I basically that's what all I did yeah. you and just then have I guess to question social stuff. media is a huge part of that oh and it's God, given massive. everybody a voice that they never had yeah. before in the yeah. same sort of way and you can everything can go viral and then the media looks at it and then suddenly you've got so much attention that you wouldn't have had yeah and you've got power because you can mobilize people in that's just such a such a unique way to mobilize people because it's just community isn't it but it's one click community yeah. it's so easy to mobilize people if you do it the right way and if you understand it and i think that's we get a lot of crap about social media and i totally agree with most of it but there is a massive opportunity to use social for good there's a huge opportunity definitely. there and we're not doing enough of it definitely i've got one final question so obviously you got a lot of negative comments initially when you first put the photo up and people yeah. saying like, or oh, just wear trousers and ridiculous things like that. Yeah. Did you have the same negative comments come up when Christopher Choate blocked the bill in Parliament or was it mostly positive? It was all positive. It flipped it on its head. It was crazy. It was like when I was the, first, the only person, and I think this is quite indicative of the society we live in, but when I was the only person going like, this is wrong, it happened to me. It was literally like the, the general position was like oh shut up and put your proud trousers on like you little girl like why are you crying about this that was everything and did you ever doubt yourself in those yeah hell like, yeah oh God, am i being a little girl because i feel like i definitely have had times where i've something's happened and i've been maybe a bit drunk or like or whatever or I've yeah been, or maybe i've or maybe i got into my head that i should have worn trousers equivalent yeah because you internalize that misogyny your entire life right yes. mm. so you yes. have that inside of you so like that's exactly that's exactly what i did i was like oh maybe and i always always i'm coming when it, with feminism and inequality i'm always trying to check myself in terms of white feminism yeah. and white privilege and whether i'm coming from a position of bias all the time yeah. so i was immediately like is this like such a white feminist thing like oh this tiny thing that happened to me oh like poor me mm. but then i really looked into it and thought to myself and i was like you know what like this is such a massive problem. There's awful, awful things happening. And there's also everyday, quote unquote, everyday assaults, which is what an upskirting is based under. And all of those things matter. And all of those things need to change. And 
by starting this campaign, I'm not saying it's worse or better than anything. I'm just saying this is something that's bullshit and needs to change. So it took me a while to, to I mean, you just, I think as women as well, we all go, oh, I'm so, yeah, you're right, sorry, maybe I'm wrong. You yeah, know, that's yeah. our, our initial reaction. Yeah. It took me a while, Absolutely. but then as soon as, like, there was, like, uh, police commissioners came on board and I tried to, we, me and Ryan got backing from police commissioners and law of people and then, like, literally, like, as soon as Holly Willoughby was involved, it was like, she's right about everything. Um, <laughs> as soon as you have, like, powerful people behind you, whether they're men or women, it's like, okay. And then it got easier. And then when Chope happened, that was just, like, basically the opinion, the public opinion was that I'd been pushed down by, like, a live troll. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, like, they were like, this guy doesn't get it and he's just being mean and he doesn't understand it. So And he hasn't taken the time to read it even. No, he doesn't understand what it is. So they, he pushed me down and then everyone was like, now nah, we're on Gina's side. Like that actually really helped the campaign, even though it was a horrible thing to be in. Yeah. Um, and I don't get any of that stuff anymore. But for the first sort of six months, it was relentless. Yeah. Constantly. I'm really relieved to hear that because I just felt for you so much on oh that day God. when it came up. It came up as a BBC notification on my phone. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I just... put mine and I was like, I know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't rub it in and I turn my phone off. That's so bad. But I just thought, oh my God, please, please, can she not get more negative messages? Oh, I just really hope that everyone gets behind her and that this ends up giving it more attention and then, then it goes through like smooth. Yeah, smoothly and you after were right. This. Like yeah. that's and that's what should have happened. It did, thank God. There was no more I mean, there's always in politics there's always like back steps and U turns and they're still happening now, but there was nothing. It did, I didn't lose it and I was so terrified of being because I did all the victory media that morning, like she's been backed by the government and I did every channel. And I got up at sort of six and I did 48 radio stations in an hour. Oh They're just whoa. passing you scripts and you just say a sentence and then they put, it's mad. And I did like 60 channels in like two hours. And then, and it was all like, she's done it. And I had, and there's those videos of me like, like screaming with the bill, like, yay, and all that stuff, knowing that he was going to do it in four hours. So I was terrified. I was like, I'm going to get humiliated. I was so scared. And then obviously it happened. And I was like, oh, I thought about Monroe Bergdorf in this moment because I was like, she went through such a controversial shitstorm of media that she didn't deserve. And in that, I don't, I don't know Monroe per personally at all. Like we talk a bit on Instagram, I don't know personally. I, I thought about her and I was like, she went through that. And there must've been moments where she was like, oh, this is so embarrassing because I've been fired by them and I'm like terrified. But actually it helped because it made people realize what she was talking about. And it made people go, oh, actually this woman is on it. And actually L'Oreal are wrong in this, this scenario. And I was thinking about her and I was like, if Monroe got through it, I can get through it. I was like, I'll be okay, I'll be okay. Yeah. It's so mad. <laughs> Heavy. The second figure that we're going to be talking about today is that it takes 660 gallons of water to make one beef burger. Oh, that's a bad one, isn't it? It is a crazy, crazy stat. And I think I first heard this stat watching Cowspiracy yes. two years ago. Um, <laughs> and I was vegetarian at the time and I was about to do vegan for Lent. And I watched Cowspiracy, my boyfriend and I watched Cowspiracy the night before. I was just like, you know what, I never want to eat meat or fish ever again. And it was actually during that time I watched it the first time, I was like, you know what, never again. And now it's been about three years. Um, That's an amazing documentary, that. It is. And the first time I told my dad that stat, he said, it's not true. Oh, I was like, what? Mm, He's like, why? no, it's not true. It's like, Sorry. What are you basing that on? <laughs> yeah. like, what are you basing it on? And I was like, Dad. <laughs> um, but, but, but he raised an issue, which is we've been so, it's been so drummed into us that it's, you know, cars, planes, yeah. transport mm -hmm. causing yeah. all of these problems. That, and, the, you know, the ag, you know, agriculture industry, you know, 
drives on to us. You know, they're, they're, they're spending so much money on making sure that we are not thinking these things and these things aren't mainstream. That's why conspiracy is so important. Like the milk campaign and all that stuff. You realise that it's actually so much of it's and marketing. And yeah. Eggs. But it's, of course, they're going to they're gonna basically put on you because there's we've got such an issue here with climate change that, of course, it's going to go to the individual to make the change. Yeah. So it's like, okay, it's your daily choices, whether you go on a, you know, public transport, you get in a car or whatever. Of course, they don't want to deflect that it's actually industry change is the issue and that the industries are pushing us to the brink of, of extinction at the moment. And I think when you, I think that burger sack for me was like, I put that in there because that really changed my mind on everything because so often for climate change and big issues, like ecological issues, we see like statistics and things that are non-humanized at all. Yeah. And you can't picture it because you're like, okay, there's, for instance, the, the statistic, there's like this 350 molecules of carbon dioxide to every whatever it is. Like, this is why it hasn't gone in because I don't, I don't work in that way. Yeah. But as soon as someone goes, okay, it's 660 gallons to make one beef burger, you're like, oh shit. Yeah. I'll have and two of those at a barbecue. Think, one pound of beef requires 1,799 gallons of water. Oh my God. Yeah, isn't that mental? And in the documentary, the guy's like, I showered less, I took my bike everywhere. Like I did all these things for years and it didn't feel like I was making any difference. And then actually when I discovered for example, that stat, oh my God, that is what you realise made so much difference. And yeah. I first found out about that when we were in Bali and mm. I was trying being vegan with you for the three weeks in Bali and I've been like veggie ever since. That was in April. Mm. And that was the stat that I was like, whoa. I know. Beef and I think, I'd, I think I'd heard it before. I didn't fully appreciate it. It just didn't internalise it. It just yeah. bounced yeah. off me. Yeah. Yeah. I told you because I've been like, veggie, 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 veggie for like three years. A lot of people... And I have to be careful about this, actually. Like, sometimes I I now deliberately don't talk much about it because I feel like people do often need to slowly come to that recognition. Yeah, they close off if you... If yeah. you yeah. And, I, and I felt like maybe that's maybe that's where you heard it from. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes with Arthur or my brother, I'll be like... I think it's from my parents, actually. I think it's from my dad because he's written a lot about environmental issues. Really? And, um, written several books on things and I think he probably told me that. But I just, again, didn't really fully realise and then they also put it into context when I heard it that it's six months worth of showers or something I mean obviously it depends on how long you're showering for but average all of that but on average and you just think what one burger it is terrifying like that many showers and I think that's as well like that statistic for me is like I think when you talk to people about being vegetarian who are meat eaters I think there's a real lag of like the 90s because I was a veggie since I was a kid. So it's like there was always this thing that was like, what do you eat and all this yeah. rubbish yes. that you get? Really, it's measly and weak. Or yeah, like you yeah. must not be able to get up in the morning because I haven't got any iron. You're like, oh God, no, it's fine. You can get <laughs> all that stuff from every, yeah, every food. You can get all of the stuff you get in meat and vegetables. But there's a thing that's sort of like you either have to be veggie or, you can, or you're a meat eater. And that's just not true. Like reducing is just as good. Totally. And people don't think that. They think if you're telling them that, you're telling them you're, you're living your life wrong. It's everybody's choices and I think that you just need to be educated and you yeah. need to be making conscious choices. And if you really love it and you want to have that, you know, once or twice a week, go for it. Go for it. That's why meat-free Mondays was a really good idea. Yeah. yeah. Even if you have one meal a week that's vegetarian, you know, that you would normally have as meat, that's such a huge impact in itself and you start to then realise that... Yeah, exactly. Because if that becomes a habit, like how many times do you do that? That's that's a life change. And I just don't, I just don't understand how... Because I'm like, I get really emotional about climate and like, I get like mad climate change anxiety. I'm always worried about it. But it's, we have now focused in on the fact that agriculture is the, one of the biggest killers. Yeah. And it's, and it's changing the planet just as doing that with the crops, with the land, with the water, with everything. So the, there is no actually easier way to change your input and your 
carbon footprint than just swapping stuff out for meals. It's, yeah. You don't have to, it's not going out your way to recycle. You're not having to carry bags down the road. All you have to do is not, you know, when you go to the supermarket, buy half less meat and do one meat free day. Like that, it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. easy enough that we should all be doing it. And I don't, I don't think you have to become a veggie and be like, I eat vegetables, which is all the bullshit you get from meat eaters. You can do, do exactly the same thing you do and have really yummy food. And actually, when I, when I, changed and became vegetarian my parents like started cooking differently and we got so much more explorative with food definitely we got so many more interesting like cuisines that we'd never thought of before because we were trying to like substitute the meat and stuff Mm -hmm. there's a that's a massive change that everyone could do you just don't have one meal and look at the water you save if one beef burger is 660 gallons can you imagine what if you had a, a massive steak or like a big meaty meal for four people how much water you've saved yeah I think that's really, really important. And even really things important. like the, with beef in particular, there's so much methane in the atmosphere because yes. there's so many cows that are being raised to be yeah. slaughtered for burgers. If yeah. we just don't have that, then that's also a massive change. It's yeah. just And you don't always have to use um, like meat substitutes. I know a lot of people don't really like corn or they feel a bit like weird about having things that sort of have texture of meat but aren't meat. Yeah. You can make food that's completely out of whole foods, you know, you, using legumes and like chickpeas and lentils. There's so much delicious, like a jackfruit a j- is a amazing. A jackfruit is like jackfruit. pork, it tastes like yeah. pork. Like, yeah. A thousand ways you can cook potatoes, I know that sounds really No, but it's true <laughs> though, yeah. Um, also, if you did like meat alternatives, Linda McCartney burgers. Oh my God, oh, they are so juicy, good. aren't they? They're so they're good. They're absolutely delicious. There's mm. no excuse now as well, because when I was sort of a kid and I was a veggie, there wasn't any other options. Like you couldn't go to the supermarket and buy corn. You couldn't go and buy stuff that was delicious and tasted like juicy and lovely. Yeah. There's so many options now. And I genuinely, it's not about, I, uh, a lot of people think like it's a floaty lifestyle, lifestyle choice to be like, oh, I'm veggie. It's like, why? It's, it's actually our obligation now to make better decisions for the world because we are at the point now where it is up to all of us. So if you can just one meal, try it make something you might like it and that might become part of your routine and actually then you can sit like sleep a bit a little bit better at night being like okay i'm actually doing something for the world because Mm. we're in a really bad situation here and you're just gonna have more tasty food totally what's your favorite veggie recipe oh my god i don't know my boyfriend makes an amazing shepherd's pie with sweet potato mash which is so delicious and also um veggie lasagna with like a million things in it but i do love a linda mccartney hot dog Oh yeah, it's so good. Really, really delicious. delicious. Also, slightly veering away from food, but still very much in the environment. What are your three top tips for using less plastic? Tips on using less plastic. So my big one is clothes because so many clothes are. I mean, single-use plastics are huge, and we all know like um, coffee cups, um, reusable bottles. Yeah. Don't you're not using straws, not using some plastic bags. We know that that's habitual and it's quite hard to get into that habit, but we know that we can do that. and That's easy. We should all be doing that. That should be the baseline. But clothes are a massive one because clothes are mostly made of plastic. So even clothes that don't have plastics in them that you don't know, like wool jumpers, they have plastics laced through their, their oh. materials. So whenever you wash them and stuff, you're just releasing plastics into the water system. That's a massive one. So oh, I, I buy all my that. clothes secondhand. Everything secondhand. Literally everything. Apart from like, I would say, well not everything, that's a lie. I would say 85, 90% of my clothes secondhand. And take them out the cycle because that's, you're not accruing more material. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to buy first hand or fast fashion or whatever, go to slightly more ethical companies. Fashion is such a massive one. So I go to like people like nobody, I was gonna say nobody panic there, which is <laughs> my sister's podcast. Plug, sorry. Um, yeah, I was gonna say nobody's child. So they're like an ethical oh, fast fashion. Child. And they're so Just clever because they, they don't do, so you know how you get often like t-shirts like that are like um, nylon-y and stretchy and you actually just want like a really hard cotton t-shirt. Yeah. They do, they make things in the same way that they used to be made where there's way less plastic. So they last for longer and also they, um, 
they reuse all their shed plastic, all their shed cottons and stuff, because cotton's not sustainable, really. Very sustainable. So they're like, they're very, very clever, but they're quiet about it. They don't make it their biggest thing, which often turns people off for a sustainable fashion line. Often people are like, oh, it's going to be more money or whatever. I feel like press are quite good at that, because they obviously, all of their food is made every day, and then they give all of the food that they don't use to homeless shelters. But they're quite quiet about that. About it, yeah. They've been doing that for... Yes. Like I love right that from though. the start. They, they're a 25 year old company. They've been doing that for. I have a lot of time for people to do things quietly as well because yeah. it's like that C.S. Lewis quote that's like, "Do the right thing when no one's watching." I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely." Yeah. And that. and they can pick it out. Like Pret can pick that out and use it in their communications when it fits the right market in whatever platform they're doing. That makes sense. But they're not shying, shouting about it, and it it just makes you. It's not preachy. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's like more companies should be doing that without us knowing. Like, Okay, so the third figure is the female form. And I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the body positivity movement and the way that we're talking about female forms now. Mm. So I've been thinking a lot about how body positivity movement is like a much needed movement that's like really, really important for us generally because the scales have been tipped, pun and not intended, <laughs> the whole wrong way for so long. Yeah. And we've been focusing on women's bodies and being thin, equating to like worth and how attractive you are equating to how successful you are and how sexual you are and how people are attracted to you or not attracted to you. And it's, it's been too much for too long. Yeah. So the body, body positivity, body positivity movement really hard to is say. really, bod pause, let's go bod pause. Bod pause. Yeah. <laughs> bod pause, bod pause movement is just joy to watch. And I'm so glad it's, I'm around Sia and it's exploded so much. Absolutely. I've recently sort of seen, I have a few friends who are quite big on social media mm. and they've, Basically, they're very honest and they're very real people and the people you see on their channels are the people they are. And they will talk about things in their lives. So they talk about everything, like their lifestyle or what they're doing or the dating or whatever. And they'll say about, okay, I feel uncomfortable because I've put a bit of weight on the moment and I'm not feeling like myself and I, or I, you know, my favorite jeans don't fit me anymore or um, I don't know, whatever it is. And the backlash is massive because they're talking about themselves in a negative way. And I just wanted to have a chat with you guys because you're on the same level as me as well. And everyone (laughs) listening about how it's really important that although we need to have a more positive narrative about women's bodies and whatever shape you are, whatever size you are, however you look is absolutely fine the way you are, the way you are. And that's great. We also need to not shame women for shaming themselves. We also need to allow women to feel honestly and talk honestly about their bodies, even if that isn't the most positive way. Yeah, and also that just if if someone on social media says, I'm not feeling myself and I want to go and get fitter or whatever, they might have their own reasons. They might be doing a mountain trek and they might be like, I've got to go to the gym and do this. And everybody thinks that because they're making a judgment about themselves or trying to do something for like a purpose, that they're then shaming everybody else. Yeah, yeah. and that's not the case. That's not the case. It's a personal... Thing. Also, if we shame people for shaming themselves, then they're not going to want to speak out about what they're feeling. And then that's just going to repeat the cycle. They're just going to bottle that shame. That yeah. shame is just going to keep going around and around in them, and it's actually be- going to become a bigger problem. Yeah. And often when you say something out loud and you talk about it, it that that demon or dementor, as I like to call it, just halves. It loses its power over you. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's really healthy if we we were able to say, oh gosh, I don't really feel myself. I feel like this. I feel like my body's changed mm-hmm. this way. Whether it's lost weight, put weight on, or not even changed in weight necessarily. It's just like I'm now feeling really awful about myself. That's so powerful to be able to do that and not feel worried about what people are going to say. Yeah, one hundred percent. Even talking about bodies, 
I still, even in a group of friends, I'm still like, should I say this? Should I not say this? Me too. Me too. That's too much. Mm, no, yeah. I totally get And I feel also like I, there's, I always want to check myself. So like when I talk about this stuff, I, I want to talk about, so for instance, on my Instagram, I'm really honest about everything. Mm. And I always have been. And there's been times where I've wanted to talk about the fact that I'm the heaviest I've ever been at the moment and, and the most unhealthy I've ever been at the moment. Mm. And I used to have said to you guys before, like I used to be a tank and I used to work out like seven times a week. And that was for my mental health and it really kept me sane. And the benefit, and the sorry, the bonus in that was that I got an incredible body as well, or, you know, quote unquote, an incredible body. Yeah. Um, and that was great. That was lovely. I do, I've always been tall and slim and I almost don't recognize my own body at this point now. And anyone else who sees me would be like, are you joking? You're a size 10, you're tall and thin, you look wonderful, you're fine. Mm -hmm. I wanted to put on my Instagram about how I'm feeling when these, because I haven't taken any pictures of myself recently, really at all, or taken, you know, normally there's pictures of me in like clothes and like fun things. There's like no content going up for me really at the moment. And it's literally because I feel shit about myself and I want to be able to communicate that, but I'm terrified of doing it in case people are like, what, so you're saying if you're like, open, people, yeah, like I can't 10, say that because yeah. I have now have influence, yeah. but I'm still a human being who still has feelings about my body that I don't really like my body at the moment or this yeah. part of me I don't like. And I think we just need to allow those, this space for everyone to feel how they do about their own bodies. It's also important, I think that I realize I don't want to be sitting here taking up space from that movement that's so important because yeah. I don't want, basically I don't want to be sitting here going, yeah, like, woe is me, I'm thin and I can't talk about it. That's not what I'm doing here. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> exactly. that's not it. Not at all. But it's, it's just, it's, it's important. It's it's really positive, but then it's led to more judgment and more and more and more judgment. And now we're just judging people for different things. Yeah, we need to make sure that when, yeah, exactly. It's it was, like... It was positive all the time. No, exactly. Exactly, really, exactly. And I, I remember a post that I saw you did actually um, about when you're on your period. Oh yeah, my bloated belly, pregnant and, belly. And I, and I, I don't even just bloat like that. I, I have terrible issues with bloating, I yes, for years. And when I say, oh my God, I look pregnant, I feel pregnant, I genuinely do. It's not like, it's not like I'm like, oh, little bit more. No, you're carrying, you look like you could be four months pregnant. I look bloated, mental. so bloated and I feel really heavy and I just feel like, and I put oh weight God. on and your boobs get big and yeah. you just feel like it's your and different I body. Like yeah. I can't say that because anyone else who isn't, uh, I guess who is a larger size than me, I feel like it's going to be like, right, like you said, oh my God, you're just complaining. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. seem like you're doing that. Stop like complaining. Yeah. But then it's the same thing, isn't it? It's not about them. I'm it's about how no, you're no, feeling no. and that you wanting to yeah. share it and with other people who might feel similar. Yeah. And that takes away the power, that sort of misogyny of, oh my God, women need to look this way and need to look perfect. And they like, don't... I don't know, I feel like when we discuss it with each other, again, it lessens the power of that On you, mm -hmm. yeah. But we've always been told kind of not to, to do that. Yeah, yeah, don't share that, yeah. yeah. I had this, like, uh, there's this thing that, you know, Deborah Hunt's swipe and guilty feminist, she said to me when we were in, we were doing a project together after that, and I just, like, love her so much, because yeah, she literally, so she's amazing. She was, she sat, we were in a, the writer's room, and she sat down. And I was talking about her TED talk that she did. And I was like, I saw your TED talk, like, I don't know, 10 years ago or something. She was like, I did it like four years ago. I was like, oh my God, yeah, I was so young. It felt like years ago. And she was like, and I was, she had on the TED talk, she had this amazing like straight across bob and these huge 80s shoulders. Mm -hmm. And yes, on the TED talk, she was a lot bigger than she is now. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I was like, yeah, God, it was amazing. And you looked amazing in that jacket and stuff. And she was like, I can't watch that. She was like, I was so much heavier. And I, it makes me feel really sad because I was so much heavier. 
And I obviously did the classic thing where I was like, it doesn't matter that you were heavy. You're, you looked amazing. Mm. And she's like, she did this thing where she went, I know it doesn't matter that I was heavier, but I live in the patriarchy. It mm -hmm. does. Like, I've internalized that. Mm -hmm. And she's so honest about it. She's like, it's brilliant. And, and like, I think this is why it's so popular because she's saying you can be a feminist but you can also still feel guilty about this and yeah, that you can and you can yeah. still have internalized stuff and then do exactly what you're not supposed to do but it's fine to do that because we're not perfect no we're not and, and, and being aware of your internalized misogyny and your internal biases is the only way you work them out anyway yeah i love that i also feel the same way about hair removal <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> it's my friend charlie is she's wonderful she's a model and she's so beautiful and she started growing out her armpit hair because she was like she's got really into the the sort of hair removal thing. I think it's, we talked about it, it's that sentence where it's like, women don't remove all their hair and go through all this pain to be attractive. They do it just to be normal. normal. Yes. And I think the other thing with the body positivity movement, yes, said it Yeah, right. you did it. Um, <laughs> it's just that word, I actually like calling it the F word, like fat is yeah. just not, it's not a, uh, the way that you look. It's definitely a frame of mind for me. Yeah. And that... I know people who I would be like, oh my God, they're so thin, they're size six. And they call themselves fat all the time. Yeah. And everybody, no matter what shape or size, has had those thoughts. Yeah. And you'll think, oh, but I've really f I feel quite fat today. Mm. But you can't say and that. And that has been just, it's been created as the worst possible insult. Mm -hmm. It has been created yeah. by oh, oppressive structures to be the worst thing you can be called, like ugly. And there's, a, there's an interesting thing there because it's like, you don't want to use the word because it's such a, a loaded, horrific word. But then there's so many people in the Boz, Bozzy Pod. Oh my God. I hate <laughs> Bozzy Pod movement who are like reclaiming that word. They're like, yeah, I'm fat. Like, and I love it. I think one of the massive reasons why there's such a, uh, this positive body movement at the moment is all of these sort of Insta fit are like trying to be really positive and they, they really are. But yet you see them working out Every single day, workout videos all the time. Yeah. Always in like cropped ab, yeah. tight lycra. Yeah. And what I loved about Bryony Gordon, she was like, no, I am this weight or I am overweight. And this I is me. And I could run in my underwear. I loved that so much. Yeah. What size you are. Just proving that everybody what, because can. sometimes I'll be looking at those people on Instagram and be like, I can't even go into a gym because I don't look fit enough to go into a gym. I know, I same. Know. Oh my God, which is so wrong. But yeah, and it's really crap. And I just think that there's so much work to be done there. But I definitely think that... It has to be done without the binary, like, fat or thin, positive or negative. Like, we have to allow space for every opinion, every honest conversation, yes. every discussion, because that's only the only way we move forward. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Figure. And thank you so much, Gina, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, as usual, um, you can find us on Instagram at Figure Podcast. And please... Um, let us know what you would like for future figures or any suggestions. We also have Twitter. We're at Figure Podcast. And you can email us at thefigurepodcast at gmail.com. And Gina, where can we find you? You can find me on the internet, on all the socials. My handle is old and it's uh, at Beanie Gigi, which is B-E-A-N-I-E-G-I-G-I. -I -I. Um, is that your childhood nickname? Kind of, it's what my boyfriend calls me. Oh, that's really cute. <laughs> yeah, beanie. Um, yeah, and on there, and just like, also, you can find me on email with the campaign and stuff, and just supporting all that stuff is great. What can we do? What would be, if anyone listening now, what would, what would you say would be the best thing they could do in order to support you in the upskirting campaign? There will be a point where the media kicks off again with it, depending on what's going on. So as soon as it's in the media and it's happening, 
you know I need your help if I'm in the news. Okay. <laughs> so get on and share it everywhere and try and get the campaign out there because public pressure is really, really important. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. We'll be doing that ourselves. Yay! Thank you so much again. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you, guys.